message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. personal revival, you won't have city-wide revival. It first starts with me and you. It first starts with us here today, coming together on the one accord, one mindset. First, it starts with us. And uh, I remember when we began to share about the revival with the team and with some of you guys, uh, we were sharing how excited we were about this revival and the things that God was going to do, believing in faith. He was going to move the way he's moving today and even so much more the rest of this weekend. But what was interesting was that some of you guys' faces were confused because a lot of us didn't understand the word revival. So it was, you wanted to be excited. You wanted to hey, we're going to fellowship, we're going to have a great time, or we're going to break bread after, but I don't know what revival means. So the title for this message is Our Words. Our Words. Revival. What is revival? And it's hard to describe it because when you describe revival, it kind of it breaks anything, you just, anytime you describe something. It leaves the basic essence, and you can't do that with revival. So for the sake of this message, we're going to say that revival is getting radically right with God. Let's see us. Glory to God. Getting right, radically right with God. And I know when we hear the word radical, a lot of times we think of extreme, but radical also means entirely, absolutely, flat out, fully, completely, wholly, right with God. So when we get radically right with, right with God, then we can have a personal revival. However, we cannot get radically right with God without having radical repentance. And I know that sounds a little bit uh, awkward, a lot of churchy words, revival, repentance, revival. Let me tell you what it means. Uh, somebody tried to describe it, Merriam-Webster did, and she said uh, that revival is a verb. It says, to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Okay. I just thought I liked a little pizzazz, so I went somewhere that had a little bit more street cred. So I went to Wikipedia. Right? And Wikipedia, I like the definition that they use. It says, repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. But it doesn't finish there. Look at this. Which is accompanied by commitment to an actual action that shows and proves a change 
for better. And look at the last part, it's beautiful. It is often defined as an action, turning away from self-serving activities and turning to God to walk in his ways. Amen. Yes, give God a round of applause. Wikipedia came through hard with repentance, right? Such a rich definition. And if you're taking notes, I want to invite you to 1 John 1.19. Sorry, 1 John 1.9. Again, that's 1 John 1.9. And it says, if we confess, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and highlight and mark the word confess. We're going to come back to that. Our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. The Greek word confess here in this verse says, means to say the same thing. To say the same thing as who? To say the same thing as God regarding our sin. Not to sugarcoat it, not to describe it or dress it up that suit in a way that suits our situation to make it okay and passable, but to say what God says about sin. And my first point, and I'm going to be very brief, says repentance starts with the recognition of sin says we need to confess our sins in order to, to, to repent from our sins. We need to know there is sin. We need to be aware. We can't address something if we don't know that it's there. Without looking at the person next to you because it's probably this person, we all know that friend that looks tore up from the floor up. And they think they know how to dress with their highlighter yellow pants and their green bandana. Don't tap them if they're here. <laughs> And they walk out of the house and you're like, oh my goodness, look at you. And they're like, oh yeah, I look good. Check me out. I'm fresh. No, you ugly. <laughs> Boo-boo. <laughs> the thing is, they're not aware that what they were wearing didn't go or didn't, it looked like the 70s threw up. They weren't aware of that. So it took somebody else to make them aware of the things that were happening in them. They needed to recognize it much like the Bible does to our sin. A lot of times we're walking in sin and we don't even recognize it. And the Bible just comes out and tells us, hey, you look tore up from the floor up. Let's recognize some of the problem that's in here. Let's, let's look. Let's take a deep dive. Let's, let's, let's address this problem. In the the Israelites, when they would travel, when they were traveling through the desert for the 40 years, they had a portable church, much like Southridge, except God was more specific about their setup, right? It was called the tabernacle. And as they traveled, they, they would set up the tabernacle, and the tabernacle had different rooms, and the priests would go in there, but they could only go in what was called the holies of holies once a year. And they would go in there to offer a sacrifice or to pour blood over the mercy seat to ask for forgiveness for the people. Now that's relevant because they would, the, the, what they were doing is they were reconciling the sin of the people. See, we could recognize their sin, but if we don't reconcile the sin, it still exists. There's no forgiveness that happens. 
So in order for it to be reconciled, the sacrifice must be placed. A, a sacrifice must, must happen. In those times, they were offered a lamb, and they had two places to offer sacrifices. The Bible says that they had in the outer courts, they had a place where they would offer a sacrifice, where the priest would ask for forgiveness as well. Because if you didn't know, the priest had a real nice-looking, sharp outfit. It had little bells on the bottom, and they would tie a rope around themselves. Not to throw it from a tree, but the rope would be because if the priest wasn't right, he would fall dead when he would enter into the presence of God. Pretty intense, right? I would have fallen out a long time ago. <laughs> but the, what would happen is the bells would ring and the people outside would know that the priest was still on his way to offer the sacrifice on behalf of the people. But if the bells stopped ringing, they would start pulling on the rope to pull out the corpse. So there was no reconciliations for the sin of the people at that time. And I look at it today and it's, how can we be reconciled? And as I was diving deeper into the word reconcile, I found it very interesting that we even applied the word reconcile to accounting. I have a background in, in, in banking and it just it struck a chord with me and I'd like to share it with you guys. And it says, in accounting, reconciliation is the process of ensuring two sets of records. Remember, two sets of records are in agreement. Reconciliation is used to ensure that the money leaving the account matches the money spent. This is done by making sure the balance match at the end of a particular accounting period. You and I have a set of records. Our sin has been due and it doesn't match what's going on. But somebody has to pay a sacrifice to reconcile that balance. So at the end of our life period, our, our time frame, the debt is paid. But it's not done by good works. It's not done by just being a good person. There's something that needs to happen. And it happened on a cross over 2,000 years ago. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed so that our sins would be forgiven. And the record that was being held against us, the difference in our accounting records would be set balanced and would be set free, would be paid, would be reconciled. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. Second point, repentance restores our relationships. You guys know I'm married to a beautiful young lady who's over in Rich Kids. No, not because she belongs there, but because she's that short. Uh, Pastor Sussy, if you guys haven't met her, all the short people are mad at me and shaking their heads. I still love you and I forgive you. Repent. <laughs> but I say that because my relationship with Sussy, when I when we first uh, dating, married, and even so now I still get into we get into disagreements. And I'll typically want to hurry up and speed through the process of getting through the disagreement to get to the good stuff. The, hey, let's go out to eat. Let's get to the making up part. And I usually say, hey, I'm sorry. She's like, okay. And that worked for the first couple of years. But what ended up happening was she discovered that I was just saying sorry without meaning it. <laughs> and I got caught. And I remember the first time she asked me, I almost fell out because she said, what are you sorry for? And I was like, ugh, <laughs> Jesus help me out right now. I wasn't listening. <laughs> See, a lot of times we feel just saying sorry to God is okay. But when we apologize, Jesus is saying, what are you saying sorry for? 
That's the difference between sorry and repentance. Repentance deals with the root of the problems, not the symptoms. We're talking about our words, root, repentance, recognition, relationship. So in order for me to be back in agreement and restore the relationship with my wife, I had to address the root problem that was separating our conversation. So I'm asking you now, what is the one thing that is separating you from your relationship with God? Is it because you said sorry, kind of like Justin Bieber, but didn't really mean it? Let's be real. Let's, Let's talk about it. And I want to look at Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your inequities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. So God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is the one thing that's separating us? What is the one thing that's keeping us in relationship with God? What is the one thing that when I cry out to God, he can't hear me? Is it because I said sorry but didn't really repent for the sin? Not the sin that people can see, but the sin that nobody else knows about. The sin, the, the pride that, let's talk about pride for a moment. A lot of times we don't come to repentance because means because we're too prideful about the things we have to deal with. And if I could just dive a little bit deeper, just hang with me really quick. I promise I'll be brief. A lot of times we don't repent from our sins because we built our character around it. So it means if we were to actually really repent from our sins, it means we would have to change who we are. But we're too lazy to change who we are, so therefore we stay without repentance. And I know it's not a lot of amens, but it hurts. But believe me, I have to study this. It hurt me more than it hurt you. There's a smile. Thank you. But let me tell you something. The the Bible says that he makes all things new. So you don't have to worry about reinventing yourself when you have genuine repentance. We talked about getting radically right with God completely, wholly, entirely repenting. Know that when you do that, God is going to make it all new. He's not going to just stop where you are. He's going to just make sure that the old rusty parts are made with new ones. And let me tell you, I can use some new parts in my life. And not from O'Reilly's and not from AutoZone. I need some real soul saving blood of Jesus Christ in my life. If I could have the ushers help me with the whiteboards if they're available, please. The third point that I want to share with you guys is that repentance releases us to receive. Repentance releases us to receive. We said that revival is getting radically right with God. We said that to get radically right with God, we need to have radical repentance. There's a reason for that. 
because if we don't address ourselves completely, then we're holding on to something with our hands closed. You guys ever seen a boxer trying to hold something with their mittens on after they finish a fight? They don't. They have to take them off because the fight is over and they want to hold the trophy. They want to hold the belt. They have to unquench their fists. Everybody put up a fist for me right now. Just put up a fist. Like Eye of the Tiger. This is Rocky time. Come on. We're fighting for something and it's our lives. What can you hold with your fist closed? What fits in your hand with your fist closed? What can you do with your fist closed? You bring hurt? You destroy? But the beauty about repentance is we learn to let go and release it. Open up your hand there where you are. Your hand now is empty to receive what God has for you. It prepares you to receive what we have been praying for these last 10 days and we've been fasting for in our life groups. Repentance releases you to receive. Because look at what else happens in repentance. And this is our anchor scripture for this entire revival. So if you're taking notes, please write this down. It's Isaiah 58.6. Isaiah 58.6. Is this, is, uh, I'm sorry, it's not this fast that I have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free. And that you, everybody say you. you. Say it again, you. you. Like you mean it, you. you. Break every yoke. When I said repentance releases us, there's things that we pick up when we don't have genuine repentance. We pick up our pride. Uh, Some of the husbands in the room will agree, but don't agree so you don't get in trouble. Stubbornness. Unforgiveness. Bad habits. Coping mechanisms that are not healthy. There's so many things that we pick up, that we put on ourselves, that we then become drowned in, that we can't let be freed from. But I like this verse that says, so that you can break every yoke. Meaning that we have the power for us to do that, but that only happens, look at my fist, when we release. We have the ability to break the yoke that's over us. And I want to invite you guys to stand up. And I want to finish with this analogy that just touched my heart. I don't know if you guys are aware of what a recall is. A recall on a vehicle. If you guys are not aware, a recall on a vehicle is typically when there's something wrong with the vehicle you're driving and they send out a notification, hey, there's just something wrong with your car, bring it in, we're going to take care of it, free of charge. You have to take advantage of the free of charge, right? Nothing is due. Now, I'm not that old, but I'm also not that young. Since I've been alive, I've never seen a manufacturer send a recall out and say, hey, we're going to come to you to fix your vehicle. They always say, hey, there's a problem with the car. We want to fix it for you because we recognize there's a problem, but you have to bring the vehicle in. You have to do it. Oh, 
in repentance, God is doing a recall, but we have to bring ourselves in. Yes, give God a hand clap. In repentance, God is doing a recall, and we have to bring ourselves in. We've said that repentance starts with recognition. So we have these whiteboards right on us. And I'm going to highly encourage you without pushing you. I'm going to invite you to write your sin up on that whiteboard. And we're going to go one by one. We're going to make two lines. We brought a big enough whiteboard for all of us. And why do you want us to write it, Pastor Mansal? This is between me and God. Because when you write it, you're recognizing there's something wrong. When you recognize something, there's something wrong, then we could address the problem. We can reconcile it. Remember we talked about the tabernacle that they had a sac- uh, altar on the outside where they would offer and place that other sacrifice on the outside? Guess what this is? This is the altar. So after you write your sin, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar because this is what happens in the altar. There's a fire. Holy Spirit fire. And what would happen in the tabernacle times is that the sacrifice that they would put would be consumed never to be seen again. So what I'm asking you to write on the board is to recognize that we need repentance. But then I'm inviting you to come to the altar so that it may be consumed by the Holy Spirit. Never to be seen again. If we want to take advantage and experience the move of the Holy Spirit. You thought today was great? Ooh, tomorrow's going to be fire. And Sunday's going to be lit. (laughs) But you can't be your fire or be lit without repentance. You're going to wonder, how come I can't feel nothing? You ain't hot, baby. You don't have repentance. So as the worship team sings, I'm going to invite you guys to make a line. And don't worry, nobody's going to see it. We're going to go one by one. You know what? I'm going to just lead by example.
thank you for restoring our relationship through the reconciliation of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. but the Holy Spirit is not letting me because there's such a beautiful atmosphere. Glory, glory be to you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, we are not going to leave the same way we came in today. We are starting with repentance so we can restore what you have. church one more time one more time and I promise this will be it yes yes louder so everybody can hear you in this church
you have children and rich kids, please pick them up. Tomorrow we're going to be at 6 p.m. at Primera Baptist Church. I want to continue enjoying this presence, but I want you to be hungry to come back tomorrow. The meal is going to be serving the fireside room, so as you exit, you're going to exit to my left, your right. Please pick up your kids before you grab your meal. And can I just tell you, this is just the appetizer of what the Lord has prepared. And this ain't no chilies two for 20. This is going to be a whole lot that Jesus has in store for us. So if you would allow us, don't forget to fast tomorrow as well. Now we're going to close out our fast with another meal. But I want to pray over the meal that we're going to have. And I want to pray for us to be dismissed. Father God, I thank you for speaking to us today, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the scriptures read by Adam and Bradley and the way you use the worship team. But Lord, but above all things, we thank you because we, us, took the first step and have repented from our sins. And as we read today, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face, then you will hear from heaven. So hear and answer the prayers and fasting that we've been doing all week long. Pour out like never before and bless the meal that we're going to have today. And I thank you in advance, believing that you're going to do something amazingly, exceedingly and abundantly, more than what we could ever ask for tomorrow and the day after that, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.